we're going to continue the uh, story of Noah here, uh, looking at this man of faith. And um, we've, we've kind of looked at the biblical passages so far of why Noah was a righteous man, why he found favor and grace in God's eyes. And um, I want to continue that a little bit before we really dive into uh, the flaws of Noah, because I believe that there was still some more information maybe that um, as I was really trying to study this and look at it, that um, we need to continue looking at. Because the story of Noah is one that I fear we know too much from a children's ministry standpoint and we don't know enough from the uh if you will i don't want to say adult standpoint but from the biblical standpoint i guess is what you say um we so often have been taught the story of noah and the ark uh, and the flood from the children's perspective that we miss out i think on who the man noah really was and so i want to dive into that a little bit more and I know we, we kind of talked about the fact, you know, why did Noah find grace? Why did Noah find favor in the eyes of the Lord? And we saw that in chapter 6, verse 8, and then went into verse 6, verse 9 to start talking about why uh, he found that. And it was because of his, uh, you know, righteous living, and it was because he was blameless among other people in his obedience to God. But I also believe that we have to take into consideration not just the moment, if you will, that he found grace uh, in the eyes of the Lord, but let's look at that period of time to where it was just Noah and the ark. This, if you will, 120-year period of time that Noah was building the ark, he was preaching that a flood was coming and was trying to let people know that judgment was coming and that they needed to repent, that they needed to come work on, if you will, come work on the ark with him so that they that way they could be saved. What in the world was going on in Noah's life during that period of time? Now, I, I know that we don't have, if you will, a biblical account of what exactly did Noah do, so this could come across as some speculation, but I don't believe that it really is because I think we can look at Scripture enough and be able to determine um, some of these things that we see from Noah, and I believe that we can make it applicable to our lives as well. And so that's what I want to do right now is I want to look at this 120-year period of time of Noah building the ark after he already found grace in the eyes of the Lord and Noah is being obedient. So what caused Noah to continue down this path, to build this ark, to, um, if you will, remain faithful during this period of time when he had no, no sign of rain? He, it wasn't like he went outside. We don't have any scripture to say that Noah went outside and said, you know what, Lord, I've been building this ark for 35 years now. And people are thinking I'm crazy. Um, I've still not seen rain yet. I've not even seen a drop of rain. Would you please just give me a few drops of rain to let me know that this is valid? Give me a few drops of rain to let me know that I'm not crazy. Um, you don't see that. So how in the world was Noah able to remain faithful? And I think that we can deduce this down, that Noah was faithful 
to the task of building the ark because the ark wasn't Noah's focus. I want to say that again. Noah was able to remain faithful to the task of building the ark because the ark wasn't his focus. And what I mean by that is this. If the ark was the focus, and that's all that Noah was just, you know, zoned in on, Noah would have failed. Because the ark was a monumental task. It was, I'll even go as far as to say it was outlandish. To sit down and think about building this barge. It wasn't a ship that was going to sail. It was a barge that was going to float. It was, really, it was a barge that could endure um, flotation during a flood is what it was. It wasn't a ship that was going to sail. And so he was building this barge, and he was supposed to have all of these animals on there, and he was supposed to be able to take care of all of these animals, and he was supposed to take care of his family, and he was supposed to do all of these different things. And he was building this, mon- you know, this monstrous barge. He would have been so overwhelmed by the task of the ark, if that was his focus, that I believe that Noah would have failed. So you say, well, what, what in the world was it then? If, if the ark wasn't his focus, if that wasn't the task that God gave him, I believe that God was his focus. See, when you go back and you look at chapter 6, verse 9, Noah was a righteous man, was blameless among others, and he was obedient and walked with God. Noah's primary concern was not to build an ark. Noah's primary concern was to be obedient to what God had commanded him to do. And so that was his focus. See, our faith cannot be in the task that God has given us to do. If my faith is in the task that God has given me to do, I'll give you an example. This is why I believe most people don't share the gospel with other people. This is why I believe most people don't fulfill the Great Commission. is because they put their faith and their energy into sharing the gospel and into the Great Commission, and they get so overwhelmed and so nervous and so anxious that they, f- they forget what they need to do, and they fail the task. However... If their faith is in Christ and their purpose and their focus is in Christ, then they automatically share the gospel. They automatically fulfill the Great Commission because as Matthew chapter uh, you know, 28 says, as you are going, as you're daily living, make disciples. So if your faith is in Christ, then as you are going on a daily basis, you will fulfill the gospel you will go out and share the Great Commission because your faith is in Christ and you can't help but, if you're living for Christ, share Christ. But if your faith is in the tasks that you do, you will fail every single time because the task can become overwhelming. And we're going to show that because the task is what Satan uses in spiritual warfare to cause us to be overwhelmed. See, God doesn't give us tasks to do because He needs us to do them. I'm going to say that one again. God doesn't give us tasks to do because He needs us to do them. We need to understand that God doesn't need me for anything. 
I am not too valuable for the kingdom of heaven. I am not too awesome. I'm not too amazing. It's not like if something were to happen to me that the kingdom of God is going to suffer greatly. Because God is in control of it. I am privileged to be a piece in the kingdom of God that he's going to use. And I'm thankful for that. But I'm not so important that if I don't do something that it's going to disrupt the kingdom of God so bad that God's going to go, oh my gosh, what am I going to do now? See, God doesn't need me to do tasks. But what he does is he gives me tasks to see if I will keep and remain focused on him while doing the task. See, I think that what we see here with Noah is not so much that God gave him the task of the ark in order to see if Noah was going to fulfill building the ark. I think he gave it to see if he really believed that God was his salvation. See, the ark was not Noah's salvation. It was God. The ark just happened to be the tangible thing that Noah was able to have to escape the flood, but it was it was God himself that was Noah's salvation, his belief in God. Noah could have built 500 boats and still not been able to survive the flood. It was God who shut the door. It was God who told him how to build the ark. It was God who told him all of the details. And Noah was focused on being obedient to God, not the ark. And you say, well, what are you you meaning? See, think how often that God gives us a task to do, and we become so obsessed with the task that now the only thing we focus on in our prayer time is a task. So instead of sitting here and focusing on our relationship with God, it's like, God, give me strength to be able to do this task, and God, help me to be... What we do is we... We remove our focus on God himself and we put our focus on, in our prayer time, the task and we want success in the task. When God says, I don't care if you have success in the task, I want you to focus on me and then I will do the task through you. But what we want to do is we want to do the task so that way then we can come back to God and say, wow, look what I did. I'll give you an example. Uh, and I'm sure he won't mind me sharing this. Pastor Jim Drake, a good friend of mine, he made a comment to me. He said, one of the things that we do is he said, when we go through trials and we go through struggles, is he said, we oftentimes will have a time of testimony and we will make this statement. I went through this very difficult trial or I went through this suffering and I am stronger because of it. Now, all of us have probably said that at some time. All of us have probably used that scenario at some time. But he made the comment. He said, here's the problem. He said, what we do is we take the glory off of God and we put the glory on ourselves. We don't say, I am stronger in Christ because of this. We say, I am stronger because of this. Now, that seems like, oh, Jeremiah, you are straining at gnats there. But if we go back to what true spiritual warfare is... True spiritual warfare is not that outlandish sin that comes at us. It's those small little intricate things that we don't really pay attention to. And in a moment like that, what we're doing is we're stealing glory from God and we're putting glory on ourselves because what we've done is we've focused on the suffering rather than on the God in the suffering. 
And so what we've done is we've taken the glory from God, we've put it on ourselves by saying, I'm stronger because of this, rather than I'm stronger in Christ because of this, because Christ brought me through this. It's not that I made it through this, it's that he brought me through this, and apart from him, I wouldn't even be here because of that. And so what happens is when we focus on the task, even in our prayer time, what we do is we just become so obsessed with the task in our prayer time that we forget really our relationship with the Lord because we're so focused on the task. The second thing that happens is because we're obsessed with the task is our worry and our thoughts. Instead of being able to go through on a daily basis and just be able to enjoy our relationship with the Lord, to be able to deepen in our relationship with the Lord and grow, what we do is we become so obsessed with these things that we begin to worry about whether I'm doing right or I'm doing wrong. We begin to worry about, uh, you know, uh, whether or not that you're going to be successful in it. Uh, Your thoughts are absolutely consumed with the task that you're doing. Uh, I mean, could you imagine Noah waking up one morning? I mean, he's got to be sore from all of this work. And he just like, you know what, man, I just don't feel it today. But then all of a sudden that anxiety comes in. It's like, well, if I don't do this today, then God's going to get mad at me or I'm not going to be able to be successful and things of that nature. That's what can happen. You can become so obsessed that your worry and your thoughts cause you to just get completely off track. And then, of course, the third one is when you become obsessed with it, you lose all focus. You lose focus on what you're supposed to be doing, and you become obsessed with the task. You don't you don't think about your relationship with the Lord anymore. You don't think about sharing the gospel. You don't think... I mean, it's just like with Noah. Noah could have become so obsessed with the task of building the ark that he forgot that his purpose was not to build the ark. His purpose was to preach the gospel so that people would get on the ark. I want, I want you to get that. Noah's purpose was not to build the ark. Noah's purpose was to preach the gospel so that people would get on the ark. But by building the ark, he was able to give testimony as well to what he was doing. So he wasn't so focused on the task of the ark. He was focused on the task of what the ark was for, which was salvation. So from the spiritual warfare standpoint, Satan will encourage you to focus on the task rather than on the Savior. He wants you to focus on that task. He wants you to become obsessed with it. He wants you to let that be your number one priority and be the focus of everything that you do because when it is, then we just we can be overwhelmed so easily. See, he will even make the task seem so important, even making it seem like if you aren't successful, then you've let God down. Can can I go ahead and free you from something and maybe free myself from something as well? You can't let God down because God already knows your flaws. Okay, I don't know if that'll help you, but I know it helps me. Because I am like a quad A personality. And I, I'm of the firm mindset that if I don't do something, I do let people down. And I'm even of that mindset with God. I'm of the mindset that if God gives me something to do and I don't do it, that I've let him down. Listen, God knows me better than I know myself, and God understands and knows when I'm going to fail. And God does not put the expectations on me that I put on myself. See, God knows I'm frail. God knows I'm weak. Me, in my quad A personality, doesn't see myself as frail and weak too often. I think I can accomplish anything, and that's a huge flaw that I've got. Um, 
And one of the things that happens is, you know, I'll, I'll be doing something, you know, I'll be, uh, God, I feel like God has given me this task to do. And if I'm not doing it the way that I think God wants me to do it, then I feel like I have let him down oftentimes. And Satan loves that because then I walk around and it's like, oh gosh, God doesn't love me the way that I, he should because I'm a failure and because I let him down. And, and what we do is we let, we just literally take a bat and beat ourselves up. And Satan loves it. He absolutely loves it when we, we do his job for him. We walk around with our lips dragging the ground because we just, we've let God down. And God said, listen, you haven't let me down because I knew you were going to fail. I knew you had flaws. And here's the thing. The task was not to show you that you have flaws and failures. The task was to show you that you need me for everything. See, instead of me focusing on the flaws, I recognize, yeah, I have them. But what it does is it helps me realize I do need Jesus for everything. I truly can't do anything apart from Him. See, anything to get my focus off God and make God seem like the bad guy is the goal. Because then what happens is whenever I get into the mindset that I've let God down, now my view of God has changed. Remember, going back to the spiritual warfare, this is exactly what Satan wants me to do. Satan wants me to get a wrong view of God. And so if now, if every time that I fail in a task, I've let God down, Satan is loving it. Because what's happening now is he's. I'm looking at God as the bad guy. Well, you know, God really isn't the God of the Bible because He said He He loves me, but I've let Him down, and He He's not blessing me right now. He's not doing this, and 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 God's not hearing me in my prayer time. It's not that God's not hearing you in your prayer time. It's that you ain't even praying to God because you're so focused on the task that you're not praying to Him. You're praying about a task. See, this is why spiritual warfare is just like, it's, it's like getting caught up in a web and just getting stuck all over the place and you just can't get out of it. Because what happens is you just get wrapped up and wrapped up and wrapped up. And before you know it, you're so wrapped up you can't move. See, the reason why all of this is so scary is because this leads to a works-based salvation. If I do for the Lord, then God will do fill in the blank for me. See, Noah could have looked at it, if I build this ark for God, then God's going to do fill in the blank for me. Let's even take it a step further. Let's go back to the example that I used a little bit earlier about Noah and not being able to see any kind of rain. And Noah's sitting here and he's saying, okay, Lord, I've built this. I've been working on this ark and I've been busting my tail for 35 years building this ark and I've still not seen a drop of rain. God, I've been doing all of this for you. The least you could do is give me a little bit of rain to help my faith. Have you prayed like that? I know you have because I have too. God, I've been working so hard. I've been trying to stay faithful. I've been trying to be obedient. And God, I'm just not hearing from you. If you would just do this, God, then. See, we deal with if-thens. God doesn't. If you do this, God, then I will. God says, no, I need your yes on the table first. I don't need, I don't need you doing, if you do this, then I'll do this. I need you to just say, yes, Lord. See, that's the difference between Noah and many other people like me. God told Noah, I want you to build an ark. I want you to build it of this dimension, of this size, of this wood. And I want you, while you're building the ark, I want you to preach to people that judgment's coming and that salvation is available. 
And Noah said, yes, Lord. And he went to work. Oftentimes what we do is God says, hey, Jeremiah, I want you to to build an ark. I want you to build it of these dimensions. I want you to build it of this wood. And I want you, while you're building the ark, to preach to people that judgment is coming. And instead of me saying, yes, Lord, it's like, but Lord, that's just such a monumental task. I don't know if I can do it. Lord, that's some awful, you know, rare wood. Where am I going to get it from? And how am I going to get it here? Lord, how am I going to build this ark by myself? That's just so much work. I don't know if I can do it. Lord, how am I going to be able to build the ark and preach at the same time? I don't have time for that. Lord, how am I going to be able to preach when people have never seen rain? Lord, how am I going to do this? Do you track with me? Isn't it amazing that instead of us being able to just say, yes, Lord, I trust you, we come up with everything in the world as to why we can't. We come up with everything in the world as to why we're unavailable or we're unable. Because what we do is we want God to give us all of these prerequisites. We want God to make sure that he does all these things for us rather than just saying, yes, Lord, I trust you. I trust you so much. And you know what's very, I don't want to use the word ironic, but I'm in a season of that right now by myself. There's, there's, I'm in a season right now to where I, I, I want to so bad sit down and say, Lord, I feel like I've been so faithful. God, I feel like I'm trusting you in everything I can. Can you just give me some little sense of hope? Can you just give me some little sign of this? And you know what? I've even prayed that a couple times over the last few weeks and months of just saying, God, give me just a little bit of something to hang on to rather than just saying, Lord, right now I swear I can't see anything, but I trust you. What we are is we listen to the enemy so much more than what we would really admit. And we're just looking at it and saying, God, it's so hard for me to trust you when I can't see. But guess what faith is? Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is me trusting God when nothing else makes sense. When I can't even see it, I trust God because God is where my faith is at. My faith is not in the task. My faith is in Christ. And so that's why Noah was able to stay faithful because his faith was not in the task of building the ark. His faith was in God. And so what we'll do is we'll look at this. And here's the thing. We're getting ready to look at Genesis chapter 9. I told you to go ahead and read that, and hopefully you have. And we're going to look at the flaw and the failure that Noah had. And it's not that I'm wanting to focus on this because I want to point out that, oh, Noah was a faithful man, and then look, here he was. He's a complete failure. No. What I want to do is I want to look at it and see that Noah is a man just like us. He had flaws. He failed. He sinned. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at the lessons that we can learn from that, and we're going to look at it. We're not going to berate Noah and talk about how horrible of a man he was because how in the world could Noah have had faith in all of this time of building the ark and then he failed here the same way you and I do, the same way God does great things in our lives, and then we end up falling flat on our face the next time around. And so we're not going to berate him, but what we're going to do is we're going to look at it and say, what can we learn from it? So that's going to be our next podcast, and I encourage you to continue in the Word. I can encourage you to continue studying every day, deepening your walk with the Lord, share the gospel with somebody, and most of all, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I encourage you, find someone, talk to them about what it means to be saved. Understand the Bible says we're all sinners and all in need of a Savior, and that it's about surrendering your life to Christ, repenting of your sin, and asking Jesus to be Lord of your life. I pray you have a blessed day. We look forward to the next podcast.